0: Thank you. Let's see, may I give this to somebody? It's good to be here. Good to be here with two of my sons and many of my friends, many of my friends from, this is what I'm
1: saying.
0: (laughs) It's a sign of age. You, You can laugh, but it's true. Uh, with many of my friends and people with whom I've walked for a long, long time, and I think it was Robert or Kevin just mentioned um, the journey walking together in the same direction for a long time. And uh, it's delightful to be with people that you've known most of your life. It's easier when you're 74 to know people most of your life. but. Uh, I'm delighted to be here and delighted to have my son and sons here. Uh, before I get started, I want to just mention two groups um, the theme uh, for this year, the rerouting uh, was arrived at by the group of men whom Kevin showed you on the over over um, head last night. Uh, they have served us faithfully for how many years now when did the um, I don't know. organizing 15 20 years and it's not a small service because it it sense, sets the direction for us for each year which often has a lifetime impact on us certainly seasonal impact on us and they get together for a period of time at their own expense in various places in the country to pray and fellowship because fellowship is kind of the birthplace of God's ideas. Fellowship creates a, a, a pot uh, or a container into which he puts his ideas. And then each year they have come up with wonderful themes. Wouldn't you say, those of you who've been here for a while, that we've had remarkable themes? And this is a marvelous theme, uh, rerouting. So I'd like to ask uh, the... Uh, ov- the planning committee. <clears throat> Thank you, the planning committee to stand and let us just give you our expression of appreciation, all of you that are here who are on the planning committee. And our sincerest and deepest thank you. Uh, You serve us all every year. We appreciate it. Uh, we also have have the delight the delight for me to have a number of our IOM board members here with us. IOM International Outreach Ministries is kind of the the uh, missions arm of this network of relationships. I started in 1985. The the idea actually came to me in Congo, believe it or not, um, and got back and started it and. We had our 30th uh, celebration three years ago. Was it within the context of, of ACM? We celebrated 30 years of God's faithfulness. Um, on the 16th of August 1986, the year after the, we started it and started IOM in 85, we had our first commissioning service. Charles came up, and 42 of us were commissioned in the same service. And by the following Wednesday, we were all on our place of service in Latin America, Africa, or Europe. That was an administrative challenge, but I'm a good administrator, so we got it done. Um, and now we're 33 years. Um, what, 190 missionaries, Michael, and in 25 countries. I wish you could hear some of their service. I hope in the years ahead you can. We had our first regional IOM conference, what, a couple of months ago? and. Listening to stories of missionaries taking care of and and bringing young men and women out of the sex trafficking industry in Thailand and Cambodia, Um, folks working in in, um, orphanages in Ukraine and Latvia, Uh, the stories, Africa, uh, Europe, the stories of the significant service of these people are thrilling and inspiring. Uh, so I just want to honor and recognize Dr. Michael McCarty. Mike's heading, would you stand, Mike? Mike's heading, IOM, has been for several years a faithful, competent Dr. Michael McCarty. And uh, s- stay, standing. stay standing. And uh, I think you can hold your applause until we're all through, but if you'd like to um, welcome everyone, I mean, express your appreciation, feel free. Ron uh, Ron Gray. Ron, Dwayne Higgison, Dennis Call, and my son, Philip Petrie, who has joined us this year. I believe that's all of the IOM board members who are present here, but uh, these are faithful comrades, wonderful comrades. Uh, The joy of working together with them, reaching the world for Jesus, serving those who are serving Jesus in the world has been great. So. I just want you to know something about these guys. They're known to all of us, but thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Richard. <laughs> well when I got the uh, word that the theme was going to be rerouting, and it took me a while to remember rerouting. Um, but the first uh, the first thing that came to mind, and it was part of my own history, it, it predates ways. Uh, we were close to, um, we were in Europe and we were at that point close, very close to the South Korean ambassador and his wife. And we did a lot of things with them, they did, they hosted gatherings at, at their residence, we did a lot at the South Korean embassy. And Rebecca and I were traveling with the ambassador someplace, I don't remember where now, but the three of us were seated in the back seat and, and uh, he had a driver for his limousine and we were out in the country going someplace. and. Just out of the blue, this very uh, gentle male voice said, rerouting, rerouting. Uh, I think that it also said that there was some kind of complication or something in in the way. It was before ways, but I was stunned. It was the first time I'd ever heard a GPS uh, or been in a car that had a GPS. I thought, this is wonderful. You know, we don't even have to... Uh, get stuck in a traffic jam, and it rerouted us. And it spoke to me a lot at that point, still does, actually, about the way the Holy Spirit reroutes us and the necessity of being open to and sensitive to and dependent upon the Holy Spirit to reroute us. Um, uh, After I meditated a bit on that, I went to the Book of Acts because I had some thoughts about the rerouting that took place in Paul's life and Peter's life and some of the other with the church in the book of Acts and I started early in Acts, I read the whole book um, in one sitting and realized this book is about rerouting from beginning to end. It's about rerouting. And so I started thinking, well, how about Abraham, and I made a list of the of the towns he went to. Not, I'm not going to introduce any of the things that happened in them. But he started in Ur of Chaldees, and he was in Haran and Shechem, and Bethel, and Egypt, and back to Bethel, and Hebron, Gerar, ger, Gerar, how do you pronounce that? Gerar, Gerar something, uh, Beersheba, Mount Moriah. I thought, boy, his, his travels are almost as extensive as uh, Bill Livingston's over here, uh, the places that he moved and lived. Uh, And then I started thinking about David and Joshua, and I thought this whole book is about rerouting. This whole book is about what it means to follow and to let him reroute us. And, uh, And then I thought about Mary and Joseph, and that was a little bit of rerouting too. I mean, think about this teenage Jewish gal living in Judea. Uh, under the uh, rulership of the Roman Empire, just an average girl. Uh, And she got rerouted, pretty significantly rerouted. Her life plans got kind of thrown up in the air. No wonder she, when she realized she was pregnant, I bet she went to see Elizabeth before she told Joseph. Uh, Because that was a change of lifestyle and she had to figure out what to do uh, with this and how to communicate. And then Joseph had his own rerouting and he had some angelic assistance to help him know what to do. And then the Roman government, Caesar Augustus, decided that he wanted to take a census of the Roman world and that everybody needed to go to their place of birth. So Joseph had to put Mary up on a, uh, Mary, uh, for those of you who are listening to the tape who aren't here, uh, I just put my arms out, she was big pregnant, uh, on a donkey and travel to Bethlehem. And then they couldn't, you know the story. And then instead of going back to where they had derived from, they had to go to Egypt. And then when they returned to Israel, they had to go to Nazareth rather than Judea. You know the story. Uh, But think about the amount of rerouting that was taking place in their lives. That's um, the story of the scriptures. Um, I think it's, was it somebody said yesterday, it might have been you, Kevin, that rerouting is a daily reality for us? Uh, Yeah. Well, I'll say it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's original
0: with you It's original with me. It isn't, but I don't remember who it came from. Um, that rerouting is a daily fact, and it's a gift to us. Now listen to this verse. this is Paul's saying it. We know it. it memorized all of this, but the sons of God are those who are led by the spirit. Being led by the spirit is a principal definition of being a son of God. It's not an unusual thing, uh, shouldn't be at least. And it's not just around the event or revelation that initiates the rerouting. It's lifestyle. Once you're rerouted, then you stay attuned to the things that he wants to have done, the things that he wants to have said. Often rerouting puts us in a very different place than we were before, and we have to learn. I was talking with, I think, David, I think you and I were talking about language learning. And I've learned a few languages. I don't know how many you know, four or five, I'm sure. Uh, When you start learning a new language, you're reduced to infancy. You don't even know how to say where's the bathroom? Or, I'm hungry. Or, uh, and you're not just learning a new language, you're learning a new culture. And when we get rerouted at times, we're in situations where we have to um, re-engage the incarnation, start from the beginning, and learn a whole new way of living, a whole new lifestyle, a whole new network of people. Um, I, I don't know what Jesus went through going from heaven and into a Jewish culture. Um, but it was different, that I'm sure. Uh, so rerouting demands that we are led by the Spirit day by day by day. Uh, this I do think I remember from last night. You talked about the fact that, the, that one of the keys is that he is present with us. Was that him? You know, he is present and leaning into him. And I've said this to you you men on earlier occasions. I don't know how we do that without daily engaging him. As it's not just a matter of getting direction. I mean, a lot of charismatics are, uh, prayers are filled with, show me what to do, provide for me, give me insight into this. Help me with this. All good requests, but they're not the requests that the Father desires. I mean, he's, He wants to do all of those things, but He wants us first to love Him with all of our hearts and to be absolutely captivated with Him. So this rerouting and being led by the Spirit is an opportunity to engage the Father in a way that we are increasingly insightful into who He is. And it's not just a one-way communication where we're telling Him what we need or asking Him for for help or direction, it's it's a relational engagement where we learn to love Him with all of our hearts, minds, soul and strength. So being rerouted, uh, from my point of view, has the highest goal of knowing and being conformed to the Father. Uh, because we live out of him. Jesus said in John 17, this is life. That they know you and the one whom you have sent. This is life. Uh, and there's lots of life in doing the things that he's asking us to do. But life is in knowing knowing him. Now, one of the other things that I was thinking about in the process of this uh, and evaluating my own journey is that it's much more like sailing than it is like getting on a train. You, you get on a train kind of relax and when the train stops you're at your destination. Uh, now that has not been my spiritual experience. Uh, my spiritual experience has been um, you get a sense of direction and then he says turn left. And, and I'll, I'll give you a good illustration from our, from our lives. Uh, Rebecca and I, actually before we met when we were in college, this would have been in the early 60s, were at a missions conference and it was being led by an Indian evangelist and he was um, a powerful speaker and at the end there was an invitation given uh, for those of us who felt called for missions to come forward and make a, you know, kneel at, a, at a, uh, an altar. And give ourselves to the call to missions. Rebecca and I both did that. We didn't hadn't met one another yet, actually. But we were at the same altar together, and we filled out missions cards that day. If any of you get our updates, uh, and um, the the book that we're that I'm writing now, uh, I've photographed those two cards, uh, response cards, and we said almost exactly the same thing, including. A sense of called Africa Here's my handkerchief, excuse me. I'm not crying, I'm just um, blowing my nose. <laughs> um, and when we met for the first time a couple of weeks later, one of the things that we discovered was that we'd both been at that altar and both felt called to missions and both felt called to Africa. So that was a part of our life and our relationship and Actually, our first trip to Africa was the day after we graduated from university. We left the next morning and spent three months in uh, in Africa, Congo. That's a wonderful, challenging story. We were shot at and arrested and um, lots of interesting things. Uh, but it seemed good because it fit in with that call. Um, we got back from that and uh, we were in our senior year uh, at university, and some friends came and asked us to start working in the inner city of Lexington. They had been working in the inner city of, uh, and found tremendous need. And I had worked for a summer earlier with David Wilkerson, I had taken a band for a summer to work with him. It was called what do we call ourselves? The Collegians. Thank you. We cut an album. It's a great album, it's still available. I mean. Not in shops, but. uh, uh, And it was called The Sounds of the Streets. And it was a fabulous summer of healing and deliverance and leading people to the Lord. And um, it was really uh, an amazing thing. So this this friend of ours knew that I'd had an experience with Wilkerson the summer um, with Wilkerson and asked if we'd start working in the inner city. And I said, let me pray about it. And I struggled with that for the s- specific reason that it wasn't taking me where I felt I was called. I didn't feel called to the inner city. I didn't even feel called to stay in the U.S. Uh, we felt called to Africa. We were already making applications to missions boards to uh, to go overseas. And I remember the day, I remember the place. I was sitting on a turquoise Uh, leather couch, um, uh, it was a 1950s style. Um, And uh, I was actually sitting on the low um, arm of the couch struggling with this. And the Lord said, I want you to do this. And I said, all right, we will do this if that's what you want. So we started going into the inner city and and it felt so strange to be doing something that I had never, I had never thought I would, or that had had no premonition of a call to it, but having a sense of it being the right thing. And uh, actually, can you put that picture of Rebecca and me up there? Um, you, you can hardly see it, but. Uh, That's me on the right, obviously, with my headband and my long hair and my big beard and my hippie clothes and my petulia oil, for those of you who are old enough to remember it. Um, And so we started doing stuff on the streets and the inner city and the university, and Crush Center uh, came out of that, had 21 full-time staff, got a 35,000-square-foot building, 21. The staff were all, at least with undergraduate degrees, some with graduate degrees. That's where John and I met one another uh, back in the late 60s, I think. John Isaacson and I met one another during that, that period. And uh, it was a very fruitful period, but I kept thinking, where is Africa in this? Um, and then uh, some of you may, may remember Merlin Carruthers, uh, his book, Prison to Praise. Uh, we'd gotten to know Merlin pretty well in those days. He had had us down at Port Benning on several occasions. He'd been up to the center, he and, he and his wife had been up, we got to be good friends. And this was six, 1969 now, this or 68, yeah, 68, late 68. And it was at the height of the Vietnam War, and he said, Paul, would you consider taking your team to Vietnam to minister to the troops? And I said, I'd sure consider it. And Long story short, we did three months uh, singing to up to 10,000 soldiers a day uh, in all the main bases in Vietnam, and um, then we ended up going to Taiwan and being the opening act for Donnie Parton, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, it is an interesting story, but I won't take time right now, uh, and then we came back. Continued to work, came back to the states, continued to work at the, at Christ Center, um, and Derek and Lydia Prince had become friends during that time. We met in Chattanooga, I think, in the 60s, and I'd never heard anything like Derek. I, I was stunned, and he and Lydia came up, and we got to be friends, and that's lots lots of interesting stories around around that too. But then by 71, I guess 70, 71. He and Lydia asked us to move to Fort Lauderdale to live with them. Well, that was a rerouting, Um, and we did. We had met Robert and Sue at this camp. What year was that? Seventy-one. Seventy-one. Okay. We met August of 71, '71, and that was one of the most significant um, reroutings, at least relationally. We literally bumped into one another, Robert and Sue and Rebecca and I. I've got a picture, if we can show it to you, of Robert had a big afro <laughs> and a, and a Hawaiian shirt and I had... And, and petulio and oil, yes. <laughs> and of course I had the long hair and I'd preach on the streets and bare feet and, you know, um, uh, big, big bell-bottom uh, pants that were tight as... I had a 19-inch waist then, by the way. Uh, <laughs> sure, I was skinny. Um, and uh, we met, and it was a providential rerouting that has uh, lasted 48, 49 years now. And actually, it's our relationship that gave birth to ACM. Uh, Andrew said it was, we're on our 29th. So 30 years ago, Robert and I were together in his home in Mobile, talking about the changes that were taking place in our in our spiritual world, our relational world, and expressing the, the desire that the people that we were friends with had opportunity to be together because it had been so important for us to spend time together in conferences, and then we started having conferences so that we could get together. We, we kind of changed our focus. I still do like that focus better. Um, and we made a decision. We're going to start, I don't know whether we had the idea of ACM, the name at that point. No, no it was just to get together to worship and pray. Just to get together to worship and pray. In first years, we couldn't figure out why we were together. Some of you will remember that. Uh, I won't go into that uh, at, um, at this point. Uh, but along the way, the relationship with Derek, the relationship with... Uh, Robert and Sue, which has been fundamental to Rebecca and me. That's uh, one of the most precious relationships that the Lord's given us. And it's been uh, instrumental in a number of, uh, of aspects of, uh, of our lives. And uh, what happened next? Uh, I've got it in my notes, but I, just, I can't see my notes. Huh? Oh, I know. Okay. Um, so we... We we ended ended up moving to Europe together. We, uh, we were oh i I've got, I've got to tell you this story if you if you can if you can stand it. Uh, uh, Eric Schenkel, whom some of you know, who who is a Harvard uh, guy, had uh, we had met the summer before he went to to uh, Harvard, and he became the um, the president of the Harvard Radcliffe Christian Fellowship and one of the yells that's the Innskeep. Uh, from Robert's Fellowship, the House of Bread in Virginia, uh, had gone to Radcliffe, and she was the vice president of the Harvard Radcliffe Christian Fellowship, and they decided they wanted to do a conference on campus. And Eric said, well, I'd like to invite Paul Petrie, and Elizabeth said, well, I'd like to invite Robert Grant. So they wrote letters to us, to Robert in Virginia, to me in Lexington, and they arrived, if I remember correctly, at our homes in Fort Lauderdale, we were living next door to one another. And the invitations arrived on the same day. Uh, and so we obviously went to Harvard together at that point. Then we went to Europe. And Robert and Sue and Rebecca and I felt led to stay on in Europe, which we, which we did for a period of time. Uh, and my own inclination toward Europe had been strong since a kid. My dad was born in London my my, my mother 's family was french i 'm first generation new world born in Toronto, but the entire environment of my rearing was european so there's been this leaning toward Europe, so it felt very good to be back but we, we stayed a couple of years met was born there came back to the states, and still had this inclination toward missions, and many, many of our friends had an inclination toward missions as well. And uh, so I decided to start uh, IOM. And I mentioned that earlier, it was 1985, I made the decision to start it, uh, um, incorporated it in November, and had our first commissioning service the following August. It kind of scratched the itch for missions because we were traveling so much internationally. But we weren't there. I kept feeling we got to be there. Um, I was glad to hear somebody said that Paul was 10 or 15 years in uh, in Tarsus. Thank you, in Tarsus. um, he, he couldn't get to where he wanted to go very quickly, either. Uh, and um, But within a very short time of starting IOM, we felt called to move to Brussels, which is where we've been for the last 35 years. Five additional families went with us, started church planting, and uh, actually... The, Antioch, which was the network we started, is now the largest Protestant network in Belgium, according to Belgian statistics. We've got 132 churches now. Um, and I was teaching the churches and traveling a lot. And I want to give you a specific illustration of rerouting. Uh, I was teaching a group of Flemish pastors about the relational nature of the church, that the church is fundamentally relational. The kingdom is fundamentally relational. And then, you know, I had a whole weekend was able to break it down and make it more specific and applicable to them. At the end of that conference, six or seven of them came to me in the lobby, all of them with tears in their eyes, a couple of them with tears streaming down their faces. These guys I've known, uh, been in some of their churches, and they said, Paul. We believe everything you've said. We just can't do it. There's no way to do it. Preparing for Sunday morning, Sunday evening, preparing for Wednesday, uh, elders meetings, deacons meetings, choir practice, Sunday school, visiting the sick. We don't have time for relationships. And th- they were broken about it. It wasn't that they were badly motivated guys. And w- in the middle of that conversation, uh, probably one of the more significant decisions that I've ever made, I said, I'm no longer going to invest in the church as I've known it, as much as I love it, because it can't change. And I'm talking about... the the broader church. I had invested thousands and thousands of hours in teaching with people who were hungry and wanted to engage God and um, pastors. And, and God loves the historic church. You know, the, the old wineskin, he doesn't want to mess it up. But the new wine's got to go into a new wineskin. But standing there, facing those guys, I said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to find another context in which I can invest The message of the kingdom and the relationship message, and it it was—it was—I don't know that it was a universal word, but I was called to teach and preach and form relationships. And uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, a friend of ours, Prince Nicholas von Liechtenstein and and Princess Margareta, called. We'd gotten to know them through a social network. There, her dad was the Grand Duke of Luxembourg. Her mother was the daughter of the Belgian King. He was the brother of the of the. Prince of Liechtenstein, uh, well-connected and deeply spiritual. And he said, Paul, would you? And we've been talking about this. He said, would you help me uh, lead a prayer group in my home? I said, sure. So he invited two commissioners, a couple more ambassadors, several members of the European Parliament. Uh, There were 12 of us anyway. And so we started meeting every week in his home, just sharing, talking the only structure was relationship. We didn't even know which church one another went to at that point. Uh, and that network of relationships grew. Um, and then somebody said, how about if we have a bigger meeting that we invite others who may be interested in Jesus to? And you know the story. You know the history from there. Now, uh, that gathering has proliferated into 30 per breakfasts between Moscow and London, Helsinki and um, Skopje. There are 30 parliaments in Europe that have parliamentary prayer breakfasts. Parliamentarians get together once a week or biweekly, depending upon what their parliamentary schedule is. Most of them do large annual gatherings as well. That was a um, rerouting uh, that I could not have foreseen. Never entered my mind. I've never felt called to that, never thought that that would be anything that I'd be engaged in. And I need to stop pretty soon. I have so many more stories, Uh, but I won't get into any more stories. I do want to read from Psalm 4814 before I close. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide. He will be our guide. I think it says forever or to the end. Can somebody read that? To the end. He will be our guide. It's a guide we need for all of these reroutings. Um, Rebecca and I were in Malouz, France, I don't know how many years ago now, but we were staying with uh, some friends and driving over to a place where we were going to have a meeting. And our friends had given us very well uh, defined... um Oh, hey, put the one of Robert and and me up there. Oh, this is Robert. Uh, You can see Robert is Grand Smile, and I'm the bushy one, one of the bushy ones, just to Robert's right, and that's Bob Mumford uh, below. He looks young, doesn't he? Of course, Robert and I haven't changed, but uh, (laughs) uh, that was the group that we met with in Fort Lauderdale. And then there's another one, Uh, and this is Robert and me in Denmark um, in 1972. Pardon. Jesus Jesus Yes, Jesus people. Jesus folk. Uh, John was on that trip too. He was the narcoman. Uh, he was other uh, He was the resident drug addict who talk, talk, told his his uh, story of deliverance in all these in all these meetings. Um, and they were great meetings. Um, significant meetings. So actually, it was on that trip that I met. Philip's wife's parents when they were teenagers. Uh, Yeah, and that's another story too. Because that meeting uh, was a significant factor in them letting Josie and Philip get together. Um, He will be our guide. Yes, um, I'm back on track now. So we were in this French town with these very well-written directions to... um, where we were going to speak. And I was reading the directions and I got completely lost. And I'm pretty good at reading directions. And finally I stopped and I called our host and I said, I have no idea where we are and I have no idea how to get where we're going. I don't understand the directions. And it wasn't because they were in French. I mean, I understood the French. But what he said I was to look for didn't look what I thought thought like what I had thought it was going to look like so I missed the the cues and the turns and and he said Paul just stay where you are I will come and I will lead you I breathed a sigh of relief and I thought Lord let that be what you do all the rest of my life I'm glad for directions uh, and we, we need this word but if we're going to get to the goal that he set for us, he's the one who has to lead us there. And maintaining the kind of relationship with him where he can intervene, um, where we're flexible enough and um, willing to change, uh, because he's got a goal out there of revealing himself in all the earth. And we're part of the uh, ones who are designed to do that. Okay, well, I'm I've got to hurry on here but I've got something in line with this that I want to do Uh, our son Philip whom you met earlier and there's Philip and Jeremy Buchanan uh, the Lord has joined them in a very very much in the same way that Robert and I were joined 45 years ago and they have taken some initiative to plant a church in our home. And now there's um, the beginnings of some additional groups. And uh, so they are our resident young church planters. And Philip's history has been here with us. And he, he's been formed here. His accountability is here. You heard him talk about the fact that somebody had said, you know, you need to do this. And he said, sure, okay um well, the they have asked to be prayed for here um and commissioned in s- to some degree authorized in some degree and i'd like to do that and the council has uh, agreed we talked about it um the other day the, the what are we called the the executive council thank you uh the executive council has agreed so Uh, Jeremy, Philip, would you guys come? I'd like to give the mic to each of them for a brief comment and then, uh, the rest will join me.
1: This is Jeremy Buchanan. Hey, I'm Jeremy. Um, nice to meet you guys. We're in the middle of a, a rerouting season, I would say, uh, and it's been an interesting, circuitous route to end up in this guy's living room. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, we were involved in a church. Um, it, was, it was really amazing. The Lord was doing some great stuff. Uh, and Philip and I had both just kind of been attracted to what the Holy Spirit was doing. Uh, it was incredible movement of the Spirit. Uh, every week people were coming to the Lord. Um, we just had some some really amazing things happen. This this lady had gotten out of a gang in Chicago and came down, and somehow someone administered her and brought her in, and then she, she came to the Lord and was baptized and brought her whole family. And this you know these gang members were coming out of the gangs in Chicago because of what was happening in Lexington. And the Lord, you know, we would walk into worship and uh, the the presence of the Lord was so thick. The atmosphere was just so heavy with the the weight of glory. You know, you just like go in the back of the sanctuary and lay down. Uh, God was doing all this really great stuff. We had some amazing teachers come through, uh, and Philip and I were both attending. We didn't really know each other, um, but you know, we were drawn in and really being ministered to. Uh, and <laughs> I think we, we both just had our mind like, man, this is uh, really incredible to be part of a movement like this. Uh, and then within a year, the whole thing exploded, uh, the entire church. Um, fell apart, the leadership, I was on staff, and uh, the whole eldership, and and myself, we, uh, I got fired, you're not living until you've been fired from a church, Uh, and it was uh, just really amazing circumstances, the, um, Paul had just kind of mentioned in the midst of it, like, you'll be amazed at the carnality of it all, And, and it was totally true, I mean, the, The pastor had, like, police escorting people out, and there were lawsuits, and uh, by the grace of God, um, Philip gave me a call, and, and, you know, we'd had, like, two conversations, I think, and he just said, hey, let me give you a different perspective. What if what the Lord was doing was actually drawing a group of people together? And that was within the institution of this church, but it doesn't depend on the institution of this church. And, and we could still be drawn and called together, even without this. Let's just let, you know, this pastor... And, and We're still good. I mean, we're, we love this guy. We, I mean, we, we pray for him and are excited about God doing some redemptive work in this guy's life. But, you know, Philip was like, we can just let him go do his thing. And, you know, his thing turned out to be pretty negative. But um, let's just continue to, to, to keep gathering together and just figure out what the Lord's doing. And so... Uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds great, man. <laughs> yeah, I just got fired. I didn't have anything else going on, so uh, I was pretty fit, free. Um, but we were rerouted, you know? I mean, the Lord, uh, the, it seems like we were rerouted, but I'm not sure that the Lord wasn't just doing that all along. Uh, I think a lot of times we think it's rerouting, but it's just from our perspective, right? And God's perspective is, no, I'm just, I'm just putting you here. You know, you're just going the route that I chose for you. Uh, and so Philip and I got together, and uh, it was just clear that the Lord had tied the two of us together. I mean, we just, just instant um, connection and and friendship. I think it helped that he found I owned a bourbon distillery, and, uh, you know, just like, uh, I can can party with this guy, and uh, so, yeah, (laughs) it's true. So we, you know, we got together, started drinking bourbon and smoking cigars, and just talking about what the Lord's doing, and um, we ended up just gathering some of the leaders from that church, and uh, I don't think we really intended to, to start a church. Uh, it wasn't like we had some big strategy or like we went to a church planning conference or anything. Um, we, we just knew that we were connected to this group of people. We started meeting in Philip's house, which is another amazing story of, of how that all came about. But um, yeah, we started gathering together, and, and almost immediately it just became really clear that uh, we, were, we were connecting together in relationship in a way that our spirits all yearn for, but our, you know our minds just—we're we're like we, our minds had to catch up to the experience we were having. We just kept coming back. We don't—I and I still don't really think we know what we're doing, but we just—we just know that the Lord has connected us together relationally in a way that I've always thought could exist, but I've never experienced. Um, and so, you know, we've just been in this season for the past year of of getting to know one another, becoming a family, uh, and and we're not really sure what. Direction out of that looks like. I mean, uh, we're already, people are already kind of spinning off and, and starting some other communities. But um, again, that's just something the Lord's doing. It's not really with, with this like intentional strategy of multiplication or anything. Uh, it's just been a really sweet time of, of uh, being joined and, and connected together. And I'll just say for me personally, uh, you know, it was, a really, it, was a, it was a really vulnerable time for me and my family. And um, being welcomed in and loved by the Petries uh, has, has just been life changing for me, uh, and and just to to be honored and loved and cared for in the way that they do. Uh, it, I mean, I'm sure you guys all know this, but it's it's really a rare thing. But it represents the heart of the Father and the Kingdom of God. It's what the church should be, right? But rarely is. Uh, and and so, yeah, I just feel blown blown away, and you know, entirely. Um, just undone and, and blessed by by being connected with these guys, and um, it was a it's a joyful rerouting for sure. You want to say something, Philip? Feel like you've said enough? Yeah. Okay. Say, say
0: a little something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I echo what Jeremy said. Uh, it was definitely unexpected. Um, I think I've said to some of you who heard about our community that was forming, I did not intend to be part of. Something like this, um but I sure am grateful for the Lord's faithfulness in 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 changing changing direction um and uh, I think much of it much of it started simply out of a perspective that the Lord built into me uh, through you all um that uh it seemed perfectly natural as a next step um just because the institution was changing didn't mean we needed to change the institution doesn't define us, doesn't guide us, doesn't you know. For me, it doesn't do much of anything. Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, would Robert, Kevin, Dennis, I'd like to ask Mark, where are and Bill to join us. These guys have been influential. Um, we thought about having everybody here come up because so many of you have been influential uh, in...
2: No, as, as we pray for um, them and in commit them to the Lord, uh, Mark Puttock made reference to the gathering elders, and they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and sent them out. And the very next verse said, "And they were sent forth by the Holy Spirit." There is a, a mystery. To what happens when we do our part and the holy spirit gets involved in the middle of all that and then somehow it's from that point on it's it's him doing the empowering and him doing the sending but we have a part and we have a a participation in something happening that has significant consequence and so you being part of that and it being inappropriate for you simply to be an observer, if you would kindly, uh, you can remain seated or stand, however you would be inclined, but if you would just extend your hand forward. And uh, we will be a representative of you as together we set these men apart and send them and commission them to the work that the Lord's called them to do. So you become a part of that and you become part of them by extending your hand and participating. Somebody take lead. I have a prayer.
0: Father, we are so thankful to be able to be involved in the things that you're do, doing, revealing yourself in all the earth. Mm-hmm. Thankful to be your hands and your feet that are expressing love and care to a needy world. Uh, thankful to have arms that can open to embrace others that you're embracing. And I thank you for these two men, for the way that you have called them to yourself, each of them, the way they have grown to know you and love you and be subordinate to you and committed to you. And then the way that you've drawn them together, you've placed them together, you've joined them uh in your purpose and in the body. You've joined them together for the work that's ahead. And we want to add the blessing and the strength and the faith and all that we can impart to them as they're moving on in their destiny and their purpose. We want to add to their lives. We want to add to their faith. We want to add to their gifts. We want to add to their spiritual strength. We want to add to their relational capacities. We want to add, Lord, to their insight and to their ability to see in the Spirit that they would be as well-equipped as possible uh, through the laying on of hands and the extending of hands, that this community, uh, loving community of men, would pour into them as they can pour into others. So we do that in Jesus' name.
2: Our Heavenly Father, as we commit these men to your call, and we place our hands upon them, praying that whatever strength and blessing there is within us, we speak it to them, and we commit them to your ways. And as we send them forth into the work, our confidence is you are sending them. And now, Lord, we pray as we commit them to your care that you will go before them preparing the way that you will be behind them as their rear guard and protector, that you will walk with them on their right and on their left as their confidant, as their elder brother, as their friend. Lord, that you will be beneath them as their bedrock foundation, that you will be over them, superintending all things concerning them, their family, and those for whom they care. And Lord, especially do we pray that you will be in their hearts, that you will be upon their minds, and Lord, that you will be upon their lips. And we thank you that we have the opportunity in this time-space continuum to be part of what you're doing in the earth. And so, Lord, with that, we commit them into your your care. In the name of the Father and the
1: Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.